and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 45th episode, our returning guest is Michael A. Wood Jr. You first heard from Michael A. Wood Jr. on episode 4 and episode 18 of the podcast. Michael is a police reform activist who, after spending a career in the United States Marine Corps and Baltimore Police Department, has torn down the blue wall of silence. He has become a vocal advocate of a new era of civilian-led policing. While completing his doctorate studies, Michael works as much as possible with grassroots activism and makes media and speaking appearances to further the discussion on police reform and the needs of the people. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find his website at michaelawoodjr.net. He is also the executive director of Veterans Stand. And now on to the show. How's it going this morning? Oh, it's going. I'm trying to just, I'm already running around like a chick with my head cut off. That's every damn day. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I guess uh, just to start at the beginning with the with the veteran stand thing, uh, when did when did veteran stand uh, first start? Like, what was the timeline as far as starting that group? And we, so we backdated it, I think, to November 10th, and I think that's a good date anyway because it coincides with the Marine Corps birthday. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure whether the phone call was actually on the 9th or the 10th, though, that uh, Wes decided, that called me and decided uh, to try and convince me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, right about then is even when the first, like, remote possibility of the idea was even mentioned. Right. And was it clear from the beginning that Standing Rock was going to be the first focus of this? Was it, it wasn't probably a question, I assume. Well, yeah, because this is originally Wes's idea. It kind of just evolved from that. So when Wes called, he had already spoken with Standing Rock and everything. And he's an uh, environmental, environmentalist, I guess, phrase it like that. Mm-hmm. So he was fighting for that cause specifically for those type of reasons and and for the Lakota Sioux contacts that he already had. Mm-hmm. So that was that was specifically designed at that moment for only that call. I see. Okay. And what was the connection with, with veterans? Was there were there any veterans there before at Standing Rock before you guys started getting involved or was there a particular call for, for you to get veterans involved in this? No, so that that was the essential element of, of Wes's original design or idea was that we he, he's a former lieutenant in the cavalry and uh, knowing he already knew me being a marine and so he said well you know this common thread that we have uh, has to be a, a common thread in a broader concept right like so so us being these progressive veterans uh, that were both in combat units and yet we still think this way we can't be alone so let's put out the call for others, and I thought it was really going to be a relatively small group, so I kind of, I didn't have any confidence in it at all. I gave him crap and told him that if uh, we got some money, then I would start remotely believing in the idea, but I thought maybe you could get a 100 500 people up there and maybe $100,000. Mm-hmm. And what did it end up being? What was the response? So it ended up being right around... But we close it at just over 2,000 on our official roster, and then we have pending roster that goes up to 4,000, and then most of the estimates are about 4,000 people showed up because too many people, you know, people are just going to show up on their own mm-hmm. <laughs> even after we closed everything down. 
So uh, I, I, I'll take the conservative measure and go somewhere around 4000 Okay. And, and just yeah. over $1 million. Okay, yeah, that was what I was going to ask. So it seemed like uh, you guys had a pretty good rough go of it uh, when you were heading up there. Uh, do you want to kind of explain what happened uh, with all the hardships and everything? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't know where to start with all the hardships. Um, <laughs> the, the fundamental uh, premise of getting a lot of people up there and back alive was my goal. Like, mm-hmm. I had a realistic goal. My realistic goal was, uh, if we, you know, I even said this on CYT, like, before we went, if I can get 2,000 people in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and get them home alive, mm-hmm. that's a logistical miracle. Mm-hmm. So when, when we got there and, you know, things were a mess, uh, of course they were going to be a mess, especially with no no contacts. I think that was a huge issue that we ran into right from the beginning is not understanding how much it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right? So so you, you tell somebody something and it's like it's like you step back fifty years in time or something. Right. Because what happens from a leadership perspective is you tell somebody to go do this and to be here, right? Mm-hmm. But then you cannot actually contact them at all mm-hmm. for four or five hours maybe. Right. So in that four or five hours, somebody comes in and says some other message that, like, they just completely made up or some telephone game was played and everything changes about what they're doing, so they end up going to places that they're not supposed to be, and then by the time you find out, you're like, what are you doing there? Right. And so you had all those really communication bumps of just getting so many people up there in mm-hmm. such a short time period, and that was, wasn't very communicated very well on our end, I guess, evidently, that you had to be completely self-sufficient. You aren't supposed to be relying on anybody else. This was more like a convention. You get here and we're help. It's not like we're going to be an entire babysitting, you know, a catering service, which mm-hmm. is what it seemed like a lot of people wanted. Uh, a significant group wanted to do their own agenda. Like, they wanted to actually go out there and make sure that something happened to... Uh, you, you know, they just felt like they wanted to fight. So then when mm-hmm. we first got there, everybody started showing up and the fight was called and they were like, hey, you guys lunch for now. Go. And <laughs> <So laughs> that like, it was like the, a bunch of uh, people ready to get into a fight showed up and there was no fight. So it's like they wanted a fight and we're trying to do things to encourage a fight. So then being snowed in with the blizzard, having all that tension, mm-hmm. I thought it was another miracle that we didn't have any fights and people didn't go crazy and nobody died in the middle of this blizzard. Now, if I can tell anybody, like, so we, you know, I thought this was a convention. Mm-hmm. It turned into an entire organization and then it became a FEMA operation <laughs> all in three days. Right, right. right. And I'm glad you mentioned the blizzard people, too, because as, as all this is happening, you've got like whiteout conditions, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's madness. And it was this storm. Like, I've been in bad weather, dude. <laughs> this storm felt like Mother Nature came in and was like, I just want to remind everybody <laughs> who is really in charge here. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really what it felt like to me. It's like, oh my god, like you couldn't go outside. If you had gear on, you would die in minutes. Right. It was it was brutal. Mm-hmm. So people that didn't got mixed messages ended up going to places they weren't supposed to be and didn't have adequate shelter. Mm-hmm. 
So then it became where I just had to take up the role in the mantle of, run, of trying to do a FEMA operation when we're not at all set up or prepared to do a FEMA operation. Mm-hmm. So trying to get everybody out alive and getting resources. I mean, in these whiteout conditions, we're rent, wrecking rental cars all over the place. Buses were smashed and broken down. And mm-hmm. it was like everything that could go wrong possibly did go wrong, you know, it, with no communications and everything. So we ended up as a theme operation, got nobody fighting, ended up having uh, most people have a good time unless they were in the wrong place where they shouldn't have been to begin with or were incredibly unprepared for the situation and weather up there mm-hmm. and got everybody home alive despite all of these disasters I mean I, it's a close it's certainly something that's never been accomplished logistically in history <laughs> Right, right. And then uh, you also had some problems with, uh, I guess, Hertz and some other companies along the way. I mean, they didn't sound like they were super helpful to your cause. I'm still having problems with Hertz. I don't want to talk about Hertz right now. <laughs> um, okay. I have problems with M&T because they have this bureaucracy. I couldn't get money access uh-huh. because they have these this bureaucracy of paperwork and stuff. And it's like... Our big battles that we ended up getting into, it was like I was trying to run an emergency operation. If I needed to get a $70,000 bulldozer to get people out, I needed to do that now, mm-hmm. right? And they were talking about, like, going through bureaucracy chains and how you can't do that. You have to submit requests. And I'm like, tell these people exactly what is going on. And they're giving me shit. But then, they, you know, like, they're leaning on this bureaucracy. When I know, I've been in companies. I've been in government. I know bureaucracy is just that. It's just paperwork. Call the right fucking person and make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And this is the company or the bank that was holding your money that had been raised in the, in the fundraiser you're talking about, right? God, yes. It was a fucking disaster. We couldn't get the access to the money. And then people think, like, the, the kind of the attitude there is a big problem getting money involved. Once money gets involved, and it's like that everybody wants their peace, mm-hmm. they're making up shit, uh, you know, stretching the truth on everything, trying to find some way to get more change. Like we had double submissions, people wrecking their cars on the way up there and, like, trying to get reimbursement <laughs> for the damage they had. Like, what? <laughs> you know, just just craziness like that when the money gets involved. Uh-huh. So, like, people thought like you could just oh, Mike has a million dollars for one. You like under no current system can you go and just spend a million dollars? Like, literally, it, that's actually physically hard to do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult to make a, a large purchases and things like that quickly. Mm-hmm. So they think like, oh, I have this resource. I can make these things happen. Like I can get people out of the camp magically. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't make a bus appear in the middle of a blizzard 300 miles from civilization. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that was kind of like the main basis of all of our tensions is as people were bitching about logistics, it's, their expectations were, like, nobody there missed a meal. Mm-hmm. And I had people complaining, and I just thought that was baffling. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> like, you got yourself in the middle of a goddamn blizzard. I'm making sure you're alive and fed with no responsibility on your behalf as one individual with no actual organization and you've got the audacity to see something yeah right exactly and then not to mention the fact that you also kind of touched on this but right in the middle of that President Obama declared that it was getting that it was basically 
called off. So, like, but I saw the video of you not even having arrived yet, and the, like you said, the fight that everyone was expecting kind of got called, put on put on hold. So it was kind of anticlimactic in certain ways. It almost seemed like. I mean, certainly, you know what? It almost kind of. This is an example, I think, of what I try to say about policing and protesters. Mm-hmm. Like when we did the big democracy spring one, sure that was all peaceful because it was a bunch of white people and the cops aren't going to do anything. Right. But like four hundred of us got arrested that day. With me and Shane Huger were doing that thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, when we did that, and and they they lock up all these people and, and they round them up and put them in, in into these cells, like it, it's these total different environments that nobody is understanding, like, they think they're in D.C. doing something like that, <laughs> and they're in, they, they, they wanted a fight. So so what happens is, in those situations with all those people, what would happen if the police just walked away? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, if I was a commander, I keep saying to myself, but I'm in these protests, like, they came for the fight, and I'd watch it happen. The only reason the fight happens is because the police are there. <laughs> and it's like I don't understand why you're even showing up. If I'm in charge of this police department, I'm like, oh, you guys want to do that? Okay, see you later. <laughs> and and it totally takes your fire out, right? Yeah. Like even if you wanted to march, you want to be like, oh, fuck the police, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll have your rally, man, have a good day, and left. <laughs> like, it totally sapped the fire away, and that's what happened here. It was like Obama was like, oh, you guys did show up. Okay, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going home. Yeah. And it's like, wait, you're going home? <laughs> <laughs> I was all ready for the thing. Come on, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you showed up for the game. You know, you're ready for the Ravens and Steelers to fight. Yeah. The Ravens show up and be like, yeah, man, we spoke to We're out, son. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, Can you imagine the whole stadium would be like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got my cooler and everything. <laughs> this is not what yeah, I Yeah, think about empty that, that win would feel. Like, people would be walking out of the stadium with their head down. They'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you exactly. fucking won. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, in the aftermath of that, I listened to your thing that you posted on SoundCloud. It it, it doesn't maybe sound like you guys are, you're working together with Wes Flynn or Laurel Blackshaw or the person I spoke with, Ashley Jennifer Parker. Uh, What, what was the source of the different directions and are you guys working together now anymore here? Um, so, no, we're not working together. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So I don't fully understand what happened with L'Oreal. Um As soon as we opened our stuff up to audit, and we mm-hmm. said we were going to make ourselves public and be a 501c3, mm-hmm. she suddenly got uh, not friendly with us mm-hmm. and started bitching about things and trying to like do some kind of power thing that was really weird. Uh, like influencing other people to complain to us about giving them more money and it was like this operation was over the 7th I have no idea what you're talking about and trying to make a big public stink about things that we weren't continuing supporting missions and so come to find out I think there's a little mismanagement of the money that she had access to Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's not anything I'm going to pursue that's fine it at least went to some people uh, that Mm -hmm. needed it I'm sure Mm -hmm. but that's something I'll, I'll keep you know just sitting there on the shelf mm mm-hmm. uh so yeah she's not involved with us anymore and never gotcha. will be. Um, okay <laughs> <laughs> uh ashley uh parker whatever uh, she um 
she was listening to L'Oreal uh-huh. and uh, for some reason believed some of those stories that L'Oreal later retracted. Uh-huh. But in that belief, she kind of crossed the line as well. So she's not with us anymore. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, like, kept the Twitter account. Like, she still has access to the Twitter account of Veterans Fan. Really? Right? Like, some pet- petty crap like that. It's like, uh, Anyway, huh. uh, so this is part of all that money where people want the attention and stuff. Like a lot of vets getting, like any of the attention was not the point of this. It was mm-hmm. to get the attention. Yeah. So you know, there were things that when I saw people not doing what the veteran stand thing is, then, you know, they're going to get cut out. This is a voluntary organization. If you don't want to do it our way, that's cool. You know, don't do it our way. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not with us. So you and Wes Flynn are not working together any, on this anymore, Wes is Clark. that correct? Uh, Wes, yeah, Wes Clark, funny sorry. how you're doing Flynn because General Flynn and General Clark are your <laughs> yeah, flipping sorry. in the fortieth. But I see it, that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so um, we don't have, uh, we're friends still. We don't have the, no animosity. This is a, a methodology. Okay. Um, dispute that we have mm-hmm. so that's again like veteran stand is about serving the people and doing things uh, to build framework and structure so that we enable others to have a voice and do things mm-hmm. um wes is on a spiritual journey mm-hmm. and uh, thinks there's some kind of religious element to it mm-hmm. and that is not um, when i when I need management and logistical things, when the stress hits the fan like a blizzard comes and hits 4,000 people that are unprepared to be in that weather, mm-hmm. I don't need anybody praying to Jesus at that time. <laughs> <laughs> just need just need science so, and facts, mostly. So. Yeah, so it's like, um, I mean, we're good. Mm-hmm. We just got different roles here. And, and leadership in this kind of thing isn't one of those roles. Sure. Uh, so leadership, Wes can have leadership and join us. It's welcome to join us on any event if you want to do like some kind of chaplain side thing right. or, or whatever, but it's not what we're doing. Right, right. So what's the, going forward, it's just veteran stand, just veteran stand, not for one particular thing. Right, because the for right. what will continue to evolve. Those are the missions. Gotcha. Um, okay, so and was, I mean, it was like, wait, this is already here. The name's already here. Better stand than for what? We continue to evolve. We're good. Let's keep it moving. Was, uh, was Flint one of the things you were thinking about, I saw, like, maybe taken on I, it, it seems It seems impossible to avoid. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I want to have this <laughs> part of my plan, and the way I want this thing to be is that we have to be specifically requested by community leaders to come in, formulate a plan together. We build the framework. They stand on the stage. That's kind of the concept. But in Flint, it's like the whole nation is, like, constantly bugging us. Like, Flint, Flint, Flint. It's like, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted to approach it a little more objectively, but I think I won't be able to do that until after Flint. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of the next logical progression if you're talking about water rights and safe water and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, though. You know, mm-hmm. so the organization can be. Right. But, I mean, I'm still the same thing. I, I mean, I, I don't even know about the water rights argument, really. Huh. Um, it's, it, this to, so, I mean, I'm still in police reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, my commitment to activism in my career, essentially, is those, to tear down those three things that I always talk about that American policing is, because I can't fix it, and so I tear down those three things. Mm-hmm. And that's the creation and maintenance of a slave class, the protection of elite and white property and the continued genocide of Native American people. So this is just another element of those three things, the continued mm-hmm. genocide of Native American people, and the, uh, uh, actually it's all three right. <laughs> in this case. So, so 
that's why I would, I mean, it's it's just another version of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Right. To and, me, you know, so that's the thing sure. about Standing Rock, why it's so good, is because there's a thousand angles that show how fucked up that situation is. Yeah, exactly. Well, and speaking of that, Trump, of course, just announced that it's going, it's back on now, so it, I think that was expected, right? Yeah, but I don't even know what that means. So uh, everybody is really worked up about that, but from what the order says, it's he wants it expedited according to the, the law that's already in place. Mm-hmm. And the law that's in place says an environmental impact survey has to be done. An expedited environmental impact survey is eight months to a year at best case scenario. Investors are all, can't last that long anyway. So what would it mean? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't. I just don't know what it means. You know. <laughs> I think that's probably true with a lot of the things he's signing and saying. Yeah, that's the whole. My whole argument with Trump is like it seems like everybody says we need to go do this because he said this, and that motherfucker's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> he may say something well, different I, before he fences, finishes his sentence. So. <laughs> yeah, like why would I react? Yeah. To somebody that's lying. Like, what would I be reacting to? Mm-hmm. The lie. So you're telling me to react to something I shouldn't believe is true. Why the fuck would I react to it? I don't know. Like, that's my whole problem with the whole Trump and the left right now. It's just like, like you can't trust anything he says. We got to prepare. He's going to do this. <laughs> they, don't, they don't go together, man. Those are mutually exclusive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, on the upside, he doesn't actually seem to believe anything uh, he says anyway, so it could change on a whim at any moment, so I guess there's always that. If you don't like something he says, just wait a few minutes, and it could could blow the other direction, so, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think we could probably reason with him more likely than anybody else. It's right in front of us. We could see it, you know? I don't have a... I just, I feel a little more comfortable with someone saying the hoods are on, you know, just like, go ahead and put your hood on so I can see who you are. That's still, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. I feel like the rest of government has always had the hood. They just had it in their pocket and didn't let you see it, so they snuck that shit in. <laughs> so it's a little more obvious now, so maybe it's easier to confront, so. Yeah, what's different? I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, like, really, it's just like, oh, my God, look what Trump did. Like, what was it Obama do the whole fucking time? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, everybody says that. It's like all the things you're asking for and all the people you're asking to be in place are the same people that set the rules and set up the system that had me running around locking up black males fucking every day and putting them into prison cells and hurting the city. You know, I, those are the same people. Yeah. Exactly, and and I think a lot of but the people, same ideas, right? <laughs> and I think a lot of those same people weren't concerned when Obama was increasing executive power because they were okay with him having the executive power, not imagining that someone else could have that executive power. So it's like, well, I'm sorry, this is right. why you shouldn't strengthen that branch too much. <laughs> Just like net neutrality, you know, I, I like to point to net neutrality on that. Mm-hmm. Where they, you know, the argument is, is all we want. No, we only won because we happen to agree with Facebook and Google and YouTube at this moment. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we have the same causation. We don't have the same reason that we've arrived at this conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're not, you don't be friends with the oligarchy the moment they agree with you and then say, oh, they're great. That's what they do. It's like, oh, well, Obama said he's fighting for gay rights. Yay, Obama. And then you idolize Obama. But you should be idolizing the platforms and the consistency and logic. Mm-hmm. Not this, what is that called? Identity politics? Is that what it's called? That's yeah. all it is now. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, on, before the election, I saw something kind of cool that Jill Stein had actually given you a shout out on Twitter. Twitter, uh, that was been pretty pretty amazing. So. 
But I think politicians should be doing a hell of a lot more talking to me. I'm really surprised they don't. It's <laughs> like, like yeah. I tear down after arguments because yeah. the police reform arguments that they have still, or like I keep saying, is they're those band-aids. Like all of these ideas have all been tried before. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't care what candidate you have, your police reform ideas are fucking preposterous. <laughs> You know, they've all been trying, they've all been working. What you're trying to say is going to work. We have ample evidence isn't going to work. Like, constantly in Baltimore, they're pushing the, this, this whole officers need to live in Baltimore and come from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You mean like in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Chicago got a better police department than you, Baltimore? <laughs> no, I mean, it's fucking, it, there's no correlation to cops living in their neighborhood and doing their jobs better. Absolutely mm-hmm. zero. Well, Why would get... you fight for something that has no evidence supporting it? <laughs> well, if they if they arrive at work and then whatever mandates to get whatever numbers are still there, it really doesn't matter how far they had to commute in certain That's ways. That's what I'm so, saying. Yeah. It doesn't matter fucking at all. That's what they in Chicago. The officers come from Chicago and have to live in Chicago. It doesn't make a goddamn bit of difference. And then in Baltimore, it gets even worse. So the cop that they praise is Melvin Russell here, mm-hmm. and he you know. He lives in Delaware, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the world we live in right now, man, it's that alternative facts world. I uh, can't understand it. <laughs> alternative, yeah, alternative facts, yeah. I think the war is peace. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Madness, dude, it's madness. I can't make sense of it. So it sounds like you're a little more comfortable with Trump than a lot of other people I've I've talked to. Uh, so you don't have any regrets or whatever about supporting Jill Stein and not, not Hillary Clinton at this moment? Oh, of course not. The lesser of two evils means still the morally corrupt philosophy. Right. And it's always going to be a morally corrupt philosophy. I don't care about the outcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, like, I don't have size. I'm not, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I fight extremely hard to be a scientist and eliminate my biases mm-hmm. in these situations. I mean, that's what I do to even get to this point is fighting all those things that you try to see influencing you, just like any scientist should do. Mm-hmm. So the conclusion I arrive at is going to be it's going to be based upon results. Mm-hmm. So I get his rhetoric is trash, and that's, I mean, it's embarrassing for the country. I get all that. But as opposed to what I am going to do and how my responses are, those are only, I only respond to actions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we believe his actions are any different than the system that's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know, just be, he puts Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. Okay, they eliminated the middleman. <laughs> that was actually a way more honest decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's it's true. It's just like, you, you realize that son was controlling that cat all along, guys. Yeah. Now we just said, okay, put the hood on, yeah, we're Exxon. That's good, you know? It's honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, what do you think the left, uh, such as it is anymore, should do to regroup? I mean, what would you like to see Democrats or anybody that's not a Republican right now try to do to, a, to well, oppose? Well, dude, it's blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. They're just continuing to do the bureaucracy. When you've got to be a populist, progressive kind of a agenda, it's clear. I mean... Look, dude, I, I, I don't want to speculate, and I will fight people against speculation, but if anybody thinks Trump was beating Bernie Sanders, they're fucking morons. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no chance yeah. Bernie wouldn't have slayed Trump. 
Right. So that's clearly what you have to do. I mean, part of the reason, I mean, if you really think about it, Trump's policies, and he fucking signed the TPP thing, mm-hmm. so Trump's policies align more with progressive agenda than Hillary's do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm still trying to say is that's the progressive thing that's kicking. That's why Standing Rock worked is because oh, we just made a bunch of veterans that recognize that they've been trained to kill brown people in the sands of the Middle East for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. So they want to actually do something that makes a difference. So everybody is waking up to these progressive ideas and these populist ideas of improving everything for everybody. It's just that if you're white and in West Virginia and all you get fed is, is, is Fox News and you do hate Hillary, and some of them have really good reasons for hating Hillary, they have been ignored for all that time. Mm-hmm. So they're still voting a populist thing that's very underlying to Bernie. I, I bet you a lot of those dudes would have voted for Bernie way before they would have voted for Trump. Yeah, yeah. I don't think racism accounts for all of the, all of his support, for sure. So. It's a stupidly small portion because racism is based upon... You know, implicit biases half the time. They don't know they're racist, and if it got explained to them, they'd be like, fuck, that's a racist thing to think, but they just don't know when you are out in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere, you're in Michigan. Like, I've been to those places. I've been where, I've been places in this country where I'm the darkest-skinned person around for 200 miles. Those places <laughs> exist, and it's like, in our bubbles on the coast, we don't know that. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and a lot of those places went for Obama last time and now went for Trump, so I, I don't know. I think there's some other elements going on there for sure. So, um, But uh, we're talking just a few days after the uh, Women's March, uh, and that was a pretty big success. I didn't see any arrests anywhere, and it seemed like it was it was pretty calm and uh, just a huge showing. Uh, what, did, what did you make of that? You mean... The police didn't have a response of violence to largely liberal, wealthy white women. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I can be shocked because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw some, you know, and, and understandably, I, I saw a lot of people who have shown up for Black Lives Matter and things before, kind of being like, "Okay, this is nice. Where were you before, and will you be there again when we need you? Is this a one-off, you know, thing?" So. Well, then you should know where my position is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, but do you? But so you sound like you're a little bit cynical about the whole the whole thing. Are, are you? Are you thinking it was just something for people to pat themselves on the back? And- I, I mean, I'm a little cynical because it's all it's. Uh, Maybe it's because I look for it and I'm consciously aware of it because I've been activism, but I saw a lot of coded language and and that liberal savior that Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King were talking about that I never understood really until the last few years. And when you see it right in front of your face, it's like, oh, that's what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I, it kind of feels gross. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, there were these things, like, I saw the, I saw at least ten posters um, or, 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 you know, mark signs or something, people that were saying, where they were alleging that uh, Trump was so close to Putin that they must be lovers and, like, had pictures of them kissing and stuff. So you're kind of shaming Trump and, like, calling him gay. <laughs> like, like, we don't do that. Like, yeah. in a Black Lives Matter rally, 
we're not going to be making homophobic suggestions like that. Mm -hmm. And that's that white liberal thing where they don't see it, you know, and they're just like, yeah, and it's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And they probably don't imagine that they're, that they're doing that in the moment. They're just using whatever uh, tools at their disposal. They would probably say. Yeah. And you put your at a woman's march. So you're, you're somebody at a woman's march protesting Trump, calling him gay. And I'm like, Oh, that, that is, Mm-hmm. Like, if I was at a Black Lives Matter rally, it would be one of those things where you'd be like, well, we got to address that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't. So, but what what would you, what would your plan be for pulling those people out of their bubble and, and tr- starting having them thinking a little more universally on uh, these things? No, I think these things are good for that, you yeah. know. Um, like, I saw that, there's one picture out there, and I think, like, it this all, should be on, like, Time Magazine cover mm-hmm. or something. There's a, there's a, um, a black female. And she's holding a sign that says, don't forget, it's white women that voted Trump in office. And she's holding the sign, and she's sucking a lollipop. Yeah. And behind her are three white girls standing on a platform looking at their cell phones with the little pink hats on. And it was like, oh, there's so much in that picture, you know, like the lollipop and all, where it's just like, fuck these bitches. <laughs> 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 we, yeah. You've got to see that picture. It's so good. Yeah, I've seen that one before. That's that's pretty. It, oh, it, that good. says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as like going forward, I know there's some Marsh's plan for tax day to get him release his tax returns. Uh, I know people are talking about other you know movements. Uh, is this a, at least a good opportunity to try to turn people into getting out and doing things that aren't just marching? Look, dude, I always want everything tied to a goal and an outcome. Mm-hmm. You have to have a measure of success, not mm-hmm. to just protest for the sake of protest, right? Uh-huh. So, like, I mean, tactically, you're kind of holding somebody ransom. You're like, you're holding uh, quiet and peace ransom to mm-hmm. have your your grievance addressed, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like negotiating. It's like you were a hostage situation taker and you didn't have any hostages, <laughs> like, or any demands. You know, be like, what do you want? Well, you know, we're just doing this thing here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? You have to have a demand. You have to have an end result. And if the end result is getting taxed to his tax returns, I don't understand why the fuck we care. Mm. Like, well, well, it might show that he has that some toward. Well, I mean, if he owes money to Russian oligarchs, that might be something interesting to know. But what makes us think that, okay, let's say he does. Mm-hmm. Are we, is this Congress going to impeach him? <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't have much faith in the Republicans on that score. So. Right, so I mean, that's what I'm saying. What is your measurable outcome yeah. of success, mm-hmm. right? Like, so so my personal measurement of success, which I talked about, like we were saying, was to get 2,000 people up to North Dakota to stand there to serve for those three days and to get home alive. I mm-hmm. thought that would be a goddamn miracle. Mm-hmm. So... So you have to at least have some measurement. Mm-hmm. And we got there, we got 4,000 people there alive, achieved the victory, survived the blizzard, and got everybody home alive. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Right. So, so like, that that was a, a measure of love, what we were supposed to do. We can't go in there with our, what's our goal? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to get his tax returns and have no outcome. Our goal is to expose his emails, too, or whatever. It's like, who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. Like, that's the whole left doing things right now. But I just don't understand why. I would really like to, like, if he wants to push this thing through and they start, and then somehow they start getting permission to drill in North North Dakota and we start rallying everybody up, well, then we have something. Mm Mm-hmm. 
You know, we have something we're trying to do. We're going to stop this drill pad. That's our measurement of success. Mm -hmm. And that will make a difference because it stopped the drilling. Not mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you tell me what the goal is. I don't fucking know yeah, what the goal is. Right. No, that's, that's good to think things out. You know, I, I definitely have the itch to want to just start impeachment proceedings immediately. But then I kind of think about President Mike Pence and then a shiver runs up my spine. So. <laughs> right. That's like the Comey thing. They're like, fire Comey. Why? What the fuck would you do to that? Mm -hmm. You're going to fire the FBI director so he can put in his own FBI director? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, he can't fire the FBI director for one. I mean, that's not how it works. They're supposed to have at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure there's a way to do it. So yeah. like, why would you want to make it easy and call for it? That doesn't make any sense at all. And why would you want him impeached? You want Pence as president? Fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Pence is scarier in certain ways because he actually believes Hell the yeah. words has come down. And I, I still think uh, Ted Cruz would have been scarier than yes. Trump. Yes. Yes, that's true. I think he definitely. I mean, these are true believers. I mean, the only thing Trump seems concerned about is the non-existent crowds that were <laughs> he apparently saw from the podium there. So. Yeah, I mean, isn't that so embarrassing? You know, like that's my thing with Trump that I'll admit to. That I, I mean, it's so embarrassing. Like, if I went to another country right now, I would try to like fake an Australian accent or something. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's almost like he's like assaulting the idea of like facts itself. It's like I can't, he can't even like stand the fact that it was raining while he was like taking the oath or whatever. It's like it's okay. Weather happens. Nobody's gonna blame you for the for the rain. It's all right. Yeah, but like, is it the, I, I'm hoping like this is the dying breath. Mm -hmm. of the baby boomer anti-age of information. Uh, like, this, yeah. this is their last gasp. They're running out of power. They're dying off. Like, hopefully this is the last thing, and they don't even have the demographics to make it. Yeah, exactly. And when did they get so gullible that they'll just believe anything they read online? I always remember them telling me when I was growing up, oh, don't believe what you read online. And it's like, they seem like they're the easiest convince of anybody of, like, fake news and stuff. It's like, why? <laughs> oh, well, damn, that's easy, dude. I mean, they just, uh, they're only... It's it's just selection bias. They just yeah. want to. They only want to read what already agrees with them. So sure. now there's stuff on the internet that already agrees with their preconceived notions. Yeah. So, yeah. Now that's good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, now speaking of marching, I know there's been there's not just in Indiana here, but there's been several other states that have been uh, pushing for this, where it's basically in the law that they're trying to get passed. It says they had, can stop protesters by any means necessary, which is kind of a scary term. Uh, have you heard about these? And what, what's, what's your take on them? I, I mean, like all these other laws, they're not actually going to hold up. Right. But, I mean, that's the thing. They don't care. that Like, they're the people that are saying Constitution, Constitution. It's like, well, that's not going to pass constitutional muster, dude. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Write it if you want. It's going to get overturned, and then you're going to get sued for it. So citizens of those areas, why do you want to pay tax dollars and write stupid-ass laws that are against the Constitution? <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're going to get sued for it, yeah. and that comes out of your pocket. Yeah, exactly. And then you know the the second that yeah the second that tries to get enforced, it's going to be a pretty show show it to be a pretty paper thin argument to to begin with. Here, it's not like the First Amendment went away just because you made this state law or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, there's no way. It's, it's it's stupid. It's silly. It's it's that's what I'm saying. It's childish stuff. The people that we've been told that we're supposed to look to look up to and are the authority figures, they're fucking children. That's why. <laughs> 
we're all in this boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's why I can't even get so any of them to challenge me. Find me one of these goddamn Republicans that's so smart to challenge me on any of these issues. Right, right. Well, I think that they would just want a simple answer, you know what I mean? Like the nationwide stop and frisk that everyone keeps trying to revive. It's like that's a simple answer to a complicated question that doesn't even work. So it's like they just want to... Stop and frisk isn't a relevant question. It's been patently disproven. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we have data on that one. <laughs> but there's no argument to it. It's like that's like it's been disproven for like over a decade. So like Oakland just hired a police chief that believes in it, mm-hmm. and she was a finalist in Oakland too. And when she was a finalist in Oakland, I made a big stink out of it, saying, "Hey, look, this is kind of clownish mm-hmm. that you're trying to considering somebody that believes in something that was disproven a decade ago." Yeah, and then that's who Oakland hires. Right, right. Well, that, yeah, I was actually just about to ask you about that. So, well, last time we talked, you were kind of petitioning for that job, and it doesn't sound like that, that worked out. Was it the same thing with Chicago when they picked their chief, or what, what happened there? No, so here's the thing. We, uh, we pretty much knew it was a no-go. Uh, the Oakland, some Oakland activists and, and people in San Francisco, and I applied to both. Mm-hmm. Both cities... And I didn't talk about San Francisco because that was the test. We did one where I made a bunch of noise about Oakland, and I didn't Mm -hmm. make any noise about San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So to see if that was a factor. Mm -hmm. Um, So the vetting agency that they hire a different company for both of those cities, uh, I forget what it's called now off the top of my head, but Mm -hmm. they're an entire all-white board. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And I was like, right away, I was like, oh, guys. Oh, I'm not getting past this. <laughs> I don't even think I made it past the vetting stage with that company. Right. So, so, so that's who. That's who, That's why you end up with your your finalists are all these same systems promoters, uh, the extenders of, of the oligarchy. Because they're, I mean, they're like they do prerequisites. Like one of the prerequisites they they put in was that you had to have ten years leading a major police department, mm. and it's like, but all. You're trying to cut the head off the snake, but then you're taking the same head and trying to put it back on. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. Like, you're like you're having a criteria mm. that prevents your success. Right. So it sounds like you kind of were doing that as a trial balloon, and it, is that not a tactic that you're going to pursue in the future, or what? I'm done. I'm done. I don't think I don't think this country is anywhere near police reform. I think we're at least a decade away. I'm dedicating myself to veteran stand, and as far as I'm concerned about police reform, I'm going to keep trying to fight down those three things. But when a city is actually ready, then they can call me, and we can see what we can do. Mm-hmm. But. It, these people have to move it. There's just nothing I can do about it. I've made myself available. No one pushed hard enough for it. So, hmm. you know, it's like I just don't think we're anywhere near it. Everybody's complaining, and they have their own ideas, but they're focusing on their own ideas. So each place is, like, thinking they want those certain things, like we said about mm-hmm. officers living in the neighborhood. Right. You know, like they're, they're adamantly fighting for these things that won't work. And mm-hmm. if I go, hey, we shouldn't fight for that, it won't work, then they don't want to hear what I say. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Because it's not their idea. Mm-hmm. So until everybody coalesces enough around actually getting some results, there's just no, I don't think there's anything I can do yet. Right, right. Well, it sounds like it's just you're, you're kind of talking past each other because one side is working off of emotion and the other side is working off of, uh, you know, facts. So it's it's a little bit hard to, to see how that's going to happen unless they can both speak the same language. So... 
Yeah, I just hope, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming they'll have to eventually get some of those things in place, realize that it doesn't make a difference, and then, you know, we, we have to go some more levels before they get to mm-hmm. what I tried to tell them. Right, right. A couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, as far as, like, with uh, Jeff Sessions being considered for uh, attorney general here, uh, and I know That's that... That's a little scary. That, yeah, yeah, let's leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but as far as, like, what it means for the drug war, it seems like it's kind of like the genie's out of the bottle in certain ways. I don't see how they can go back. But then again, this is about the most uh, drug warriest of the drug warriors, so I don't know if, if that's uh, something they can peel back. What do you see? happening in the states as far as states rights go well i mean but see again that's like obama didn't do anything to take marijuana off schedule one right that's disappointing so what's different i mean what's he going to do differently yeah you already have like the safest substance that's known to human beings Mm -hmm. on the list that says it's the most dangerous thing to human beings and you put people in prison cells for it. How are we going to get worse than that? Yeah, exactly. That's true. And they won't even consider, you know, with the CBD oil for the, like the, the kids that have epilepsy and stuff. And it's like, if, if that's not the sympathetic person that you can find, it's like, who else are they going to get? That's what I'm saying. It's like when people talk about gun control and politicians, like, they're like, when are we going to draw the line? It's like, dude, there were children massacred in an all-white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Yeah, exactly. No, after after Sandy Hook, I think that was pretty much. It's like, well, forget it. It's like, what else is this gonna take? So, <laughs> but. Um, so after the last time we talked, it was such bad timing for me because I, <laughs> of course, we talked, and then the thing in, in Dallas happened, and Flando Castile happened, and, and all this happened in, in a couple days. And, and I actually saw that on Twitter that Micah Johnson, the shooter in Dallas, actually had mentioned you in a manifesto, and then you got a call from the FBI, and that has to be frightening because it's not like you can choose who hears your message or what they do with it. So what was what, what was that like? Um, well, I mean, he did only just say thanks to the good sure. cops. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that stands as a symbol that you can be police and not be the enemy. Yeah. Right? So, he wouldn't have shot me. He wouldn't have shot Joe Crystal. Yeah. Right? So, so if you want the community support, and that is where our power comes from. Uh-huh. Well, then that's why. I mean, mm-hmm. they say the good cops because they view us as the ones that are serving what they actually want. Mm-hmm. That's what we all should be doing. Right, right. And I, I also thought it was significant that he was a, a veteran and, and that may have had some you know issues emanating from that because we just don't take a care of veterans in general in this country, and that's pretty obvious too. So. Yeah, and I don't even like. I get I get frustrated with even that paradigm that we say, how can we. Uh, you know, treat our veterans better. I'm like, yeah, that's part of it, but I'd really like to ask the question of how can we create us veterans? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a bigger question for sure. But I mean, that when, when the drum beats of war get going, you know, that no one really stops to consider that. It seems like it's just they they want to steamroll ahead and wrap things in the flag and all that. So. But I don't know how to defuse that, honestly. Because I mean, my biggest fear, honestly, is that that Trump is going to use some, you know, thing to like try to coalesce everybody around him, uh, and you know, patriotism, military. I don't know how to defuse that, honestly. It's it seems like once well, people get that so jingoism. What I'm and, saying there, that yeah. I, I got you. But what I think is the big hope there, and that what came out of the veterans being a bunch of progressives, yeah, is that he's going to be asking a bunch of people that are under thirty. Mm-hmm. 
to be carrying out these things. Yeah. And these people under 30, even if they kind of agree with it, they're guaranteed to have a whole crap load of friends that mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be in their ear telling them otherwise. Yeah. Right, exactly, and then that demographic is definitely not trying to hear that. So that's that's true. I have. That's what I'm saying. That's who your military is. It's twenty to thirty year olds. The twenty to thirty year olds in mass in this country are trying to hear that shit. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe the baby boomers are the problem here. <laughs> I I have been saying that for about two and a half years now. I see that in academia, and academia yeah. is mostly baby boomers, and they they do not take it lightly, even when I suggest its possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really ironic, since that was the generation of the hippies and and all that. It's just like, why why are you the problem when <laughs> you were supposed to like change the world or whatever? <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I don't have a good answer for that. But um, how well, is they did yeah. live the American dream, though. You know, mm-hmm. minimum wage was the equivalent of twenty one dollars in the seventies. Yeah, right. Minimum wage. Yeah. Exactly, and then I did a big paper on that for my master. So think about that. They're like, oh, "What are you talking about? You could just go get a job and do this." Like, no, dude, you could have done that, mm-hmm. but you guys fucked it up, and we can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like my my father in law when he was going to college, he paid like something like seventy five dollars a month for his entire par- apartment or whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, no wonder. Right, or the people that went to college for free in California. Yeah, yeah exactly. And now don't want other people to go to college for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why can't you get up with all your crippling student debt? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Craziness, man. It's an alternative facts, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, kind of shift gears a little bit. How is the Radio Revolver project coming along? Is that still happening? That thing is not coming along. <laughs> not coming along at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is that we had a location... And and then uh, the, my partner that was try, was handling it while well, I had to, I got you know obviously sidetracked with standing rock and everything mm-hmm. else. They want to do this big building and make the project like a much bigger thing. Mm-hmm. So they like a coffee shop idea mm-hmm. with like spoken words and bookshop and all this stuff. So they were they're looking at buying this building and then putting it in the basement of there. So I, I think in the meantime I'm going to get the equipment and uh, put it in. We're we're gonna have a, a veteran stand office in Baltimore too. Oh, so I think I'm going to put it in there and just let the, the the kids run it out of there while I'm gone. Right. So it doesn't need to be a big cafe slash 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 slash. <laughs> right. I mean, and we'll move it there eventually when that's all done. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> but that's been a funny thing because it's like every time we're getting ready to go, it's like, no, let's make it. Let's yeah, because I keep waiting for it, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope it comes soon. <laughs> well, I started podcasting with uh, with my buddy Roberto, so, just oh, okay. so we could have something already going out there. That's good. What's that yeah, called? That's called Nuance. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's just under his name. You all see it under mine, but that's, you know, we have, we've done, like, uh, 15 episodes. Oh, cool. Awesome. Is it like an interview show, then? Yeah, well, he's already with a friend of mine, so we'll just take a topic and go back and forth. He has a JD and a PhD, so oh, wow. it kind of gets nerded out a little bit. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're so we getting... trying to provide nuance for those little issues, you yeah. know, so whether it's, like, we've talked about lead poisoning and stuff like that with some lead poisoning experts and right. things like that, where we just kind of 
try to break down these little things that I say in passing. So, you know, what I say that, like those three things that I say policing are built upon, people, when I say that, they're just like, wait, what? And it's like, you need a lot of backtracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Explain how you get to that point. So you know, we'll do an episode where we kind of do some of that backtracking. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And how are your uh, PhD studies going? I mean, it's moving. I am so <laughs> tired of school. <laughs> it's, uh, so, I mean, about this time next year, I should be finished. So uh, I have a few classes left, and uh, the way the dissertation is done is mm-hmm. in, like, steps. So I'm just in the step now where they, after I get finished this process in a couple weeks, they mm-hmm. set me free to do the dissertation. Right. So uh, that's, that's the stage I'll be in at okay. that point in time, and uh, I cannot wait for it to be over. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you're not looking to, uh, you know, be a police chief right now, maybe you say people may not be ready for that. Would academia be something you'd want to teach or be a professor or something like that? Would that be something? No, I mean, so we did Veterans Stand and we formulated it. So I'm doing that for the whole next year and a half. I'm moving to L.A. We have a place already for a year and a half. So I'm diving in completely into that and trying to raise money and make connections and do media constantly. So I'll be with NPR and with TYT. And uh, making connections probably with Pacifica Radio, too. And maybe it, we're trying to have at least something every day that we're on, at least one media thing right there near the studios and all. So we're just going to keep trying to raise money and do things like Flint and stuff like that and really roll the organization with merchandise and everything. We'd mm-hmm. like it to become something more like, uh, you know, the Red Cross or the ACLU where we're already ready and spread out and everything else. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's definitely a noble thing. And I think keeping it open as far as what you're concentrating on is good because then you're not tied to one specific issue. It's like you can open up to whatever comes down the pike or whatever. So Right, exactly. So, you know, whatever injustices we see. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So our board will identify those things and I'm the executive director, so the, you know it's kind of like my police model. The board will decide what mission we should do, and it's my responsibility to carry it out. Right, right, absolutely. Um, now we're getting near the hour mark, and I really appreciate you taking the time once again. Uh, but uh, have you have you been listening to the new Run the Jewels album? Because I've been listening to that pretty constantly. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this a little bit on the podcast yeah. we recorded yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved it. I think especially like the first, like maybe six songs, man, mm-hmm. they just really flow nice, and I feel like they're 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 on the top of the game, and the thing we were discussing, which was pretty neat, is I kept feeling like as they moved into this more woke and political kind of terminology and everything they did, mm-hmm. that they were going to have to do something about running the jewels and changing that concept, mm-hmm. right? So, if you notice in the album cover, the jewel's not in the fist anymore, mm-hmm. they took the necklace out. Mm-hmm. Right, so right. you can't be robbing somebody and then talking about how woke you are. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really match so, up, yeah. <laughs> so it seems like you see that slow transition taking place right there, uh-huh. and then uh, Roberto was saying that you know there's also you can have this concept where you're you're running the jewels as in you're stealing from, from the lyrics. So when other people step to you, like you're running it that way, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, they really should do it that way, and then they can kind of flow because they're. Whether they want to or not, they're kind of taking out the Rage Against the Machine mantle for, yeah. for everybody. Well, that's what I was going to say is because I almost felt like that that last little song there, the message to the shareholders, uh, that last little bit uh, was, was so... Uh, it, it, Zach's 
whole ethos fits so perfectly with what they're doing now and I think it's becoming just more and more relevant to like you said the message that they're cultivating it just just it really like you said it takes up the mantle where it kind of left off so I just I, I gotta get back to Loka in a room and be like dude what are you doing come on <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, I don't understand what his problem is he's got to hear that there's a whole generation of 30 to 40 year olds that are like that. Yeah. Come on, man. We're dying here. Yeah. Exactly. No. It's like he's. It's like they sparked all the everyone's imagination around our age, and then right as the Bush administration went in, they were like, "Okay, you guys got it from here." And it's like, "Wait, hold on. We just hold on. Wait, whoa, whoa, come back. You guys are going to be so mad it's when you see what's happening." Not with these goddamn collaborations, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's like yes, one day is a lion or whatever. That's nice. Yes, these other things are nice. Now just get back together. <laughs> Right. And you know, Rage, uh, Prophets of Rage, should they welcome him onto the stage and to lead the band whenever they want? And I'm sure Run the Jewels would welcome him to do half the damn album with them. It's like, come on, Zach. Yeah, exactly. We know you got some more rhymes. We know what you've been doing. Come on, just get back. But um, you've been listening to any other uh, music lately? Um... Let me think. I don't think I have. That's just like the only new thing that I've listened to because um, I, I have Amazon Music on Prime, right? So uh-huh. the whole the whole Metallica uh, library got released on streaming. Oh, nice. So I've been back in like <laughs> Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning and, and Justice for All and stuff. Nice. <laughs> so I've been like, this is great. I haven't heard this stuff for forever. Oh, I know. Yeah, Cliff Burton is a madman. I love, I love the way he attacks the bass. So... But cool, man. But that old Metallica, though, like, I'm not a big fan of Metallica anymore, but. Oh, yeah. Uh, that old stuff, man, it's full that, like, encapsulated that time for me. Like, I, I kind of remember uh, my introduction to rock and roll was watching uh, One, the mm-hmm. video on MTV. You know, right. it was just like, man, this is insanity. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's rock and roll right there. It wasn't this, this uh, hair band kind of shit. That was going around at that time, like that was rock. Yeah. And then the other time, I remember like so distinctly was uh, I was in eighth grade when uh, my friend uh, that I went to school with handed me the Rage Against the Machine cassette tape. Mm-hmm. And like I remember putting it in, and it was just like what? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, like everything has suddenly changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the they live classes or whatever. So it's like whoa. <laughs> but um, yeah. Was there anything else I didn't ask you about that you wanted to get in there before we go? No, I mean, the only thing I can say is that Veterans Fan is going forward. We're going to have our website up. That's www.veterans- or dash, however you want to say that, stand.org, and we'll be, like, starting to take in donations to build up for our continuing operations for whatever social justice thing we're going to be attacking next. Mm-hmm. And we welcome corporate donors, too, because um, I am a complete sellout to this cause, so I, <laughs> I don't even care where the money comes from. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, cool, man. You know, we, we discuss that sometimes internally, you know, because Bank of America has shown some interest in doing something. They're like, do we really want to do that? No, are we going to take a million dollars from Bank of America? I'm like, fuck yeah, we are. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
A, they wreck the economy, but, you know, that's water under the bridge. We're all trying to do something. Right, I mean, it's the best we could do to try and give it back, though, right? I right. mean, like, yeah, take it. We're, we'll put it to good use. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but don't let them give it to somebody else who's going to, you know, put it in somebody's pocket so they can build 16 new pools. Yeah, that's true. It's got to go somewhere, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and let's just be honest about it, you know? That's the thing is people, when it comes to money, like if I was running for politics and they wanted to offer me money, I would take the money and be like, yeah, I had some money. I don't know why those guys gave it to me. I'm like, well, listen to But I suck at hell, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't think people will object to that. <laughs> I mean, if you use it for things they'd like, I mean, what's the point? What's the point? What's right, the point? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway, I guess that's consequential ethics, and I don't even believe in consequential ethics. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, so that's it. Thanks for you know, calling and talking cool. to me again. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you, man. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, All right brother. Later, later on.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.